How many of you love Jesus this morning? No, we really love Jesus. Yeah, no, like, like not like, you know, golf clap love Jesus, like really love Jesus. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you have to be all jumping up and down, which I think you could and should. But, I mean, I think really loving Jesus is an expression that comes out of us when, when we're in love with Jesus. There's, there's something that, that our, our continence changes. There's something when the presence of God is with us and the freedom of God that comes upon us that we're able to express that love for Jesus. And, and I think when we begin to graduate from that thing, graduate from loving God, graduate from, from loving Jesus, graduate from our expression of relationship with Him and get into kind of church mode and get into religious mode, we can very easily find ourselves in really dry and stale places. How many of you have ever experienced a dry and stale place in your relationship with God? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and we see what happens is, is with the people of God, even in the Old Testament, when you see God lead them into a new spacious place, and then, and then what happens? You know, they, they, they forget the goodness of God. They forget all the things that God has done, as was prophesied a little earlier. And, and they begin to go back, go back to a desert place, or even go back to a place of imprisonment, Egypt, right? And, and, and I believe that the role of, of the church and even the role of, of the Ephesians 5, Ephesians 4 gifting, excuse me, is to lead people into freedom and listen to this and, and help keep them free, yeah. is keep them free. And I think so many times we, we can allow um, the, the doing of church to stale our relationship with God. I mean, if you think about Genesis, in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve, a first son and a first daughter to have relationship with. And if you remember the passage after, after Adam and Eve had, had committed sin, right? That God came to the garden and walked in the garden in the cool of the evening. And, and we understand in scriptures, it's something that he used to usually do, which means he would come and give his physical presence to his new creation, his new son and his new daughter, because he wanted to have relationship with them. And we know that they were hiding because they, 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 the guilt and the shame of their sin had caused them to clothe themselves because they, they realized they were naked. And when we think about the sin that was first committed, what, what happened was Adam and Eve chose knowledge over relationship. When they picked the fruit of knowledge... Over their relationship with God, there was something broken. And I think what happens with religion is we are choosing the knowledge of religion. We know what to do. We know to, to come to church on a Sunday morning. We, we know to, you know, sing our songs. And we know when someone says, Amen, everyone else says, Amen. <laughs> so we know what to do. So we, we, but there's a lot of times we change knowledge or exchange knowledge for a relationship with God. A true, authentic, loving relationship with God. And, and, and as much as I am about the nations and as much as I am about, I mean, I live in, in, a, in, a, in a city and have a church in a city that has 20 million people. I think that's more than the whole state of Colorado. More than the whole nation of Australia. And as much as I'm passionate about taking that city for Jesus, in no way, shape, or form does that trump my relationship with God, my relationship with Jesus.
this, this, this love connection between, between he and I. And, and I'm going to speak very simply to you today. I'm not going to bring any new revelation to you, anything that you do not know. But my hope and my desire is, by the time I'm done talking, that you have a fresh revelation of what God is inviting us into. Is that okay? Is that okay? The Apostle Paul says, hey, I didn't come to speak in wise and persuasive words. So trust me, I'm from East L.A. I don't have a college education. I'm a former Marine jarhead. I'm not going to come and speak with wise and persuasive words. I'm going to give you some simple truths and allow the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to just draw you closer to Jesus. Is that okay? All right. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. We all know this portion of Scripture. It's called the Great Commission, right? And man labeled that, th- that the Great Commission, but I-, I like the wording because we, listen, friends, are on a co-mission with Jesus. Can you say that with me? A co-mission. A co-mission. We're the co-pilots. He's the pilot. He drives. We, we follow his directions, but we are completing his mission. Are you with me? Okay. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Listen to this, friends. But some of them doubted. How many of you have ever doubted? How many of you, you don't, this is rhetorical, you don't have to raise your hand now. How many of you are doubting even now? What is this Mexican talking to us about? <laughs> Some of them doubted. And here, here's what I love about this. The disciples are about to be commissioned even in their doubt. Which means even in our doubt, God is still calling us to be on mission with Him. Isn't that amazing? That God still chooses to work with us and through us even in our doubt. So look at your neighbor next to you and say, your doubt is not enough. Your doubt is not enough. Our, our, our lack of faith is not enough. I mean, God is still drawing you to himself, still calling you to be on a mission with him. And then here we're going to continue on. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Say all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Can you say go? Go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know this portion of Scripture? How many of you believe this portion of Scripture? How many of you know that this is still the mandate of the church? And how many of you know when I say the mandate of the church, I'm not talking about Mark and Kara. I'm talking about you. Because we are the church. We just said that earlier, right? I know I set you up for that, but we are the church. This is still the mandate of the church to go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want to rest on today. Verse 20. Teach these new disciples, teach these new followers of Jesus to obey all the commands that I have given you. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands that I have given you and be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands that I have given you. Now listen, I am a cliff note guy. How many of you guys remember the cliff notes? Like when you're in high school and, 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 and in college and they gave you a book to read, you went and got that little cliff note thing because you weren't trying to read all that. Thank the Lord for Audible now, 
Right? Audible is amazing, right? Mark and I were talking about it. I'm a slow reader. I like to read, but I read very slow. So if I can get the Audible and the book, that thing just helps me go through that thing, right? And I put that on 1.5 speed, and we're going, right? You got to have a couple lattes before you start that, but just trust me, your, your ears and your brain will catch up. And so teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands. So I love the cliff notes. And here's the cliff note. Jesus, in the simplicity of who he was, broke down all of the commandments that I have told you into two. Think about this, friends. There's one commission and there's two commandments. And it's so amazing to me how complicated we have made this missional life that God has called us onto. It's so amazing to me how we are inviting people into this this family of God that we are a part of and and to know that they are so overwhelmed about what they are going to have to do to fit into our family because we have never broken this thing down to the simplest form. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. Jesus broke it down to two. And you guys should know this passage as well. Matthew chapter 22. We'll start in verse 36. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, this was the Pharisees and the Sadducees always trying to set up Jesus. How many of you know you can't set up Jesus? No, I'm serious. How many of you know you cannot manipulate Jesus? As much as we want to and as much as we still try. And you're like, I'm not a Pharisee. I'm not a Sadducee. Okay. Which one's the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, listen to this, friends. You must love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Say heart. Heart. With all your soul. And with all your mind, right? With all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. It's the what? The first and greatest commandment. The next verse has uh, a second is equally, say equally, equally important. Some of your version might say likewise, likewise, or in the same way. Likewise, love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 40 says something that's pretty significant and profound to me. Verse 40 says this, the entire, can you say entire? The entire law and all. All the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Boom. Jesus broke this down in a way that shut the mouths of these men. They're like, okay, where do we go from here, guys? Is that right? I mean, mean, he said that. Listen, the entire law, which means every written word is based on these two commandments. The demands of the prophet, which means every prophetic utterance was based on these two commandments, right? They're based on these two commandments. The Jews, listen, the the Jews had over 613, they call it mitzvah, right? The Jewish commandments to, to fulfill. I mean, their whole life was about doing this and doing that and making sure it's right and following all the rules and the guidelines. And if you didn't do those things, then you had to go back and repent or repeat those stages, 
You were outside of the will of God if you didn't keep the rules and didn't do this thing on time, if you didn't keep all the laws of the Sabbath. And then, you know, if you go into the Levitical laws and all the other things that took place, man, they were so stressed out about all of the details that they had to had to be consumed with throughout their daily lives, not just on Sunday, their daily lives. They had to follow these 613 rules. And I think that Christians fall into the same thing today. I really do. I really think that we're so consumed by all the little things and all the little details. I mean, just just think about it. Are, are, are we more concerned with loving God and loving people? Or are we more concerned with keeping church rules? And I'm not talking about corporately. I'm talking about you individually. Think about it. Jesus broke it down into two very simple commandments. Why? Because throughout the history of mankind, following the rules became more important than a relationship with the Father. Following the rules became more important than the relationship with the Father. Now listen, friends. I'm not getting into licentiousness and I'm not getting into you not living right for God. I'm getting us to a place to, to, to focus on the main things that God has called us to and, and, and even more importantly, corporately as a church, what we're actually called to do for those who are going to be coming through these doors, for those who we're actually going to be reaching. Listen, to this generation of church that we just saw come up here, are we actually teaching them to love God, or are we, actually, are we more focused on teaching them to do church? Jesus came to set things straight. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says this, For since our friendship with God was restored, our friendship with God was what? It was restored by the death of His Son while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through His Son. We will certainly be saved through His Son. So right relationship with God has always been the goal. A reconciled relationship with God is what Jesus came to establish. And how He came to establish this, obviously we know was through the death on on the cross, through the sacrifice that was made. And because of the sacrifice that was made, you and I are no longer bound to the law. But listen to this. We are bound to love. We are bound to love the two greatest commandments that have been given to us. If Jesus' mission was to restore our relationship with the Heavenly Father, listen to this, and if we are on co-mission with Him, the Great Commission, with Jesus, then listen, our mission is the same. It's to bring people into right relationship with God. And listen to me, friends, and teach them how to love the Father. Teach them how to love the Father. And, and I wonder how much time we actually focus on this. How much time we actually focus on teaching others to love the Father. Listen, I re, I, I'll boil it down like this. God has asked us to go and find His kids. Tell them that they are forgiven through what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And teach them to love Him and teach them to love each other. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's that simple. And I know that the outer workings of that is hard is because we're people and we're jacked up, right? Look at someone next to you and say, you're jacked up. You are. And some of you are going to get offended by that, but we are. But because of what Jesus has done, we are made right by the blood of Christ. 
we're made right. And now we are qualified. I am qualified to go and gather God's kids and teach them to love him. Teach them to love him, to remind them that there was a price paid for them. And, and in their loving of him, the second thing, the, 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 the byproduct of loving him is they get to learn to love others. We get to learn to love each other. I mean, think about this. I hear, I hear ministers all the time, the, 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 the most thing talked about in Scripture is money. It's a big part of it, but the most thing talked about in Scripture is love. It's loving God and it's loving each other. We go and read, read John's epistles. And just his, his, his consistent reminder that you are children of God. Love your daddy. Your brothers and sisters in Christ love each other. And what, how does that work out? And, and listen, I'm not talking about some hippie style peace stuff. I'm talking about deep, affectionate, biblical love. I'm talking about us having an authentic relationship with Christ. And in our authenticity, we get to teach others how to experience the same thing. There's nothing more beautiful to me than when I see one of my kids teaching my other kids. I have, I have six kids. Um, and, and I would like to say it's because I'm a proper Mexican, and that's what we do. But... We have three three natural children, and we have have three adopted children. Our, our, our second, we have a first batch and a second batch. That's what we call them. And so, there's nothing more beautiful to me than when I watch my kids teach my other kids, right? When I see them, you know, just teaching each other, but but not just like you know the cool things like playing video games and stuff like that, but like teaching them to like love each other or teaching them to like love mom and dad when i when i see one of my older kids like hey don't talk to mom like that buddy that's your mom love her like you know and when i just see things like that i mean there's there, there's like it, there's something that warms my heart and can you just imagine how god the father is looking down on his church and watching actually what we're spending our time on versus what we should be spending our time on versus what we we're really teaching each other on, on how to interact with our abba and that word, it is intimate. It is, it, it, in Spanish, it would be our papi. And I'm not trying to diminish it. This is the language. It's a love language. It would be in my daddy, right? And people, I know they're not comfortable with that. I know people think, oh, that's like, it's there. It, it's an intimate word. Abba is an intimate Hebrew word for daddy. And it's, it's, this, it's this connection with us and our, and we teach others to love their heavenly father in a way where it's intimate and affectionate. I'm telling you, we begin to see transformation come. I believe we're, we've complicated the kingdom. Historically, the church um, that broke away from the bondage of Judaism, listen, had gradually slipped back into legalism and, as I like to say, churchism. Because we all like to think we're not a legalistic church, right? We all like to think, oh, no, we're not legalistic. We're not, we, we don't have the thing, you know. But just think about it. How much of the stuff we do is actually kingdom versus churchism? A lot of the stuff we do is just church culture, not not kingdom culture, right? And so our, our ecclesiology, right, our, our, our understanding and our passion for the church is stronger than our Christology, right? The centrality of Jesus Christ. Think about today's church, right? And I'm not saying Impact Rock and I'm not saying Restoration LA because I don't want to believe that we're like this, but just think about this. Think about the church. Today's church invites people to church 
before they invite them into a relationship with the Father. Now, I know the church facility is an amazing tool because we know when people walk through those doors, they're going to experience the Holy Spirit. They're going to experience the love of the family of God and something amazing is going to happen. But I believe that we have used this tool far too far too far more too frequently. Thank you. Too frequently over listen to this. What the New Testament church actually is supposed to be doing. When we look at Acts, they didn't have buildings for people to come back to. We didn't have to say, hey, come to Sabbath and we'll see you there. Cool. And hope for them to show up. They preached the gospel in the highways and the byways. They, they told them the truth and taught them how to love the Father. This is what happened. We see in Acts 2.42 that they met in each other's homes and they devoted themselves to breaking of bread and to prayer and to, and to the teaching. Now, listen, I'm not saying that, oh, so you're saying we shouldn't come to church anymore. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Because this is the place where saints come to be equipped for the works of service. This is the place where the people of God come to worship God. This is the place where we get to, we get to claim the promises when two or more are gathered and he is in our midst. You didn't get to claim that stuff on your own. You didn't get to claim, see, you're not the church. We are the church. We're the church, Right? And so I, I, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is I think that we have far too frequently, thank you, um, used the gathering of the saints as an excuse of why I am not on mission for Jesus, of why I'm not having to teach people to love the Father. Because what I know about discipleship is disciples, listen, friends, make disciples. That great commission isn't just for the pastors and the leaders and those who, uh, your lead team and those who come to the leadership training. That great commission is for every believer, every child of God. When we do leadership training in the life of my church, we do all church leadership training. I tell everyone, we have a leadership meeting and I want you all there, especially if you're serving in an area of ministry. But I want you all there because we're equipping saints for the works of ministry. And what's the greatest work of ministry outside of the Great Commission? There's nothing greater than that. And then within the Great Commission, it's to teach those to obey the commands of Jesus. And what are those commands? Teach them to love God and teach them to love each other. And I'm telling you, how we get it wrong is because, hey, come to the church and come and meet Jesus. Why can't they meet Jesus on the streets? Oh, hey, hey, come to the church. And hey, you know, we'll give you a broom. before we actually introduce you to a loving father. Or hey, come and join the membership course before you actually get to become one of the family. See, we, we, we've gotten things wrong. We've gotten things, in, 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 we, we've put in barriers between people when we should be the ones who are inviting people into this love relationship that God has called us all to be a part of. I once had a guy in, in our church. Um, he was in our church for, I don't know, maybe a year, a year plus. And he was a cool guy, uh, tough guy, tough guy. He had tattoos down to his knuckles. And not all tattoo guys are tough, but this guy was one. Um, and so uh, he, he asked me out, out for, for some breakfast. And that's rare. That's rare for someone to ask me. I mean, I often meet with people, but I'm normally the asker, right? 
And so he, he, he asked me to come out for breakfast. And so, yeah, I went and met him. He picked a little spot that we were going to meet. And when I walk into the restaurant, I see him. He's sitting there. And he had this gorgeous Bible on the table, right? And so, you know, one of those, like, black leather-bound ones? Like, it was, a, it was a study Bible one, too, because it was, like, one of those big ones. Um, and then he had all those beautiful tabs. You know those tabs you put in there to help you find the books better? And so as I sat down, I complimented him. I said, man, that's a beautiful Bible. Like, and so he's, he, he said, man, that's, that's actually why I wanted to meet. I wanted, I wanted to talk to you about this. And he slid the Bible across the table. And he said, can you teach me how to use it? This guy had been in our church for a year. And he didn't know how to use his Bible yet. Where did we miss it? You see, relationship with God. There's so many components to knowing your Father's voice. There's so many components to hearing the Father. There's so many uh, components to, to why Scripture is so important. And so many components to prayer. And, and, and I just wonder how often you and I are coming alongside people and teaching them about their relationship with their father. Now, I know we do it corporately, and I know we have Bible studies, and I know that we have prayer groups, but I'm talking about us as saints. I'm talking about me being on mission with Jesus. I'm talking about me coming alongside people and teaching them to love the father. I mean, just think about it. When, when my wife was pregnant and she, she was carrying our babies, I would talk to my babies while they're in her womb. I would be like, it's me, it's your daddy. I can't wait to see you. I wanted them to know my voice so when they came out, they would be comfortable with knowing who I am and knowing my voice and finding comfort in the, in the tone of, of you know, my vocal cords or whatever it is. And, and the thing I come into so much in churches is, I don't know how to hear God. I don't know how, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to use my Bible. And, and, and I think like, well, that's, that's just silly. Like we know how to use our Bible in this church. Like we know how to pray. You know, we, 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 we know. I mean, we have prophetic, you know, times in the church. Okay. But isn't the Great Commission compel us to find others who don't? And doesn't the Great Commission compel us to go into the highways and the byways and to bring those who don't know the Father and don't know how to hear their Father's voice and don't know love language between them and God and to bring them into this relationship that you and I are so easily experiencing? He said, I think, I, I think we've come so comfortable with the establishment of church that, man, we're, we're actually putting the first things on the back burner. We're not called to teach people to follow a set of church rules. We're called to teach people to love God with their entire being. With their entire being, right? So what makes up your entire being today? What makes up who you are? What makes up who we are? What makes up our entire being? Because I think if, if, 
if we really think about it, to, to, to love God with our entire being and to teach others to love God with their entire being, we kind of have to know what that looks like, right? Yeah. So question for you is, how are you loving God with your entire being? Because if you're going to teach others, then you actually need to know how to do it, right? And, there's, and I think when we think about it, when we take a, 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 a tally of what makes up who we are, I've broken it up into three things. Now listen, they can be other words that are interchangeable with the words that I'm about to use. But I believe that the expression of how we love God is expressed through the resources that we have. Honestly. It's expressed through the resources that we have. Listen, I'm, I, I don't want you to not hear what I'm saying. This is all because of intimacy and love between us and our Father. But I want us to gauge this by, by how we're actually expanding the resources that God has given us. So number one is your time. And I know you, probably every leadership meeting you've gone to has talked about this. So like I said, I'm not going to remind you of something you don't know. I want to remind you of something maybe that you're not practicing or that we're not practicing. So number one is your time. Is God a priority in your day? Is God a priority in your day? When and where do you meet him? Right? Now, I know you might be super spiritual like me and just be like, oh, I mean, God's omnipresent. He's with me all day long. No, 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 no. It's not what I asked. I asked when and where do you meet him every day? I, there's a shirt. I mean, if you have Instagram, you see all those ads that come through, right? There's this shirt that I love this. Um, I, I want to get one, but, you know, I, I'm always weary of buying something through one of those apps. So I'm trying to find it on Amazon like everyone else. There's a shirt that says God, or no, it says Jesus is bigger than Sunday. Is Sunday the only time we meet with Jesus? Is Sunday the only time that we meet with God? Because I believe there should be a time and a place every day that we meet with God. I really believe that. If we're saying that we love God and we believe that God deserves our entire being, then our time, which is one of the greatest resources that we have as humans, there should be a time and a place where we meet with God. Where is that for you? And if, and, and if there isn't a time and a place where you meet God, how are you and I ever going to teach others to love God in that way? I'm going to hurry up. Is that all right? What about the Sabbath? <laughs> Is the Sabbath optional for you? I mean, I'll just do Super Bowl Sunday. Go Raiders. No, I'm sorry. The wrong place. Wrong country. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I know we have the Rams. I grew up a Raiders fan. I used to go see them at the LA Coliseum. I know they're going to Vegas, but I just don't have the heart in me to change up. I've been, I'm too invested. Right? Yeah. How about the Sabbath? Now, I'm not talking about the Old Testament Sabbath laws. I'm talking about your Sabbath, your day designated to rest in the Lord. How is that honored in your life? How, how is that cultivating intimacy between you and our Heavenly Father? And are, are you in a place to be able to invite someone into that space to show them, to teach them, to love the Father in that way? Man, the Sabbath is holy. Keep the Sabbath. 
I know there's, I mean, you think you've ever heard that joke where, you know, the old husband and the old wife and the wife asked the husband, how come you never tell me you love me anymore? And he says, well, I told you I loved you when we got married. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. Right? And I think it's, it's, is it the same with God? Like, Jesus, I went to see you last, last Sunday for an hour and a half. I mean, is, is, is that enough? Is that loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Second, treasure. Say treasure. Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. And um, I, I don't mean to put anyone back on your heels. If you're a visitor today, I want you to just kind of hear the heart of what I'm saying. Treasure. We as human beings in the United States of America in 2020 value money like nowhere else on the planet and no time other in human history, like no time other in human history. We value money. If we were natives and still were into trading, Maybe this wasn't, wouldn't be an issue, but we are American. We are living in, in, in a, in a uh, capitalist country, and we value money. And money, whether we like to say it or not, it shapes us as people. And because it's a huge part of who we are as a people, I want to ask us, not about all the rules and the regulations. Let me put it simply. Are you loving God with your money? Are you loving God with your money? Or is God getting tokenism from us? Is he getting a token of our affection? Or is he getting love offerings from us? Because Jesus said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And I want to break this down to the word of love. Is you giving to the Lord an act of love or is it an act of religion? Is it an act of, oh, I have to? Or you know what? I think the leadership team is monitoring how much I give. And if I want to be a leader, maybe I should give so that they know that I'm kind of like in that realm and I don't want them to look bad upon me. If that's a calculation of how you're giving, let me just be really honest with you. You're doing it all wrong. You see, maybe like like me, you know, my parents never told me how to handle my finances. They never showed me how to love God with my money early on. I had to learn that in the church. I had to learn to, to trust God with my money. I had to learn to trust God with my time. Listen, friends, if, if, if honestly, a, a huge reflection of how you're loving God today is it can be boiled down to looking at two things, your calendar and your bank account. And you're thinking like, oh, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's a little, you know, think about it. These are the two greatest resources we have as people. And I want to put it in this way. Do you love your kids? Absolutely. You better say, yeah. I think they, <laughs> FaceTime, they love other kids. Sorry. Or it's a face, no, it's Facebook. Sorry. Um, how much time do your kids get from you? We as parents like to say, she's do anything for my kids. I go pick them up. I get them ready, get up early, stay up late, cook them food. How much time do our kids... I mean, we'll say, we, we give them all of our time. There's nothing I won't do for my kids. Nothing. I'll go to the ends of the earth. I'll drive anywhere, what, whatever. How about money? Whatever they need. 
I work hard so that my kids can have good shoes. I remember what it was like to walk around with shoes with holes in it and be embarrassed. I never wanted my kids to experience that. So I work hard so that my kids get clothed right and have the opportunities that I didn't have as a child. Why? Because we love them. And so they get our time and they get our resources and our finances. And and I've, I've bought the house that I can just barely afford so that they can have their own room and whatever it looks like. like that, that's, that's what we do because we love them. What about God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I mean, the, the, the principle of first fruits goes back to, to the beginning of time that Jesus gets the first of our everything. He gets the first of our everything. It's like not even a question. When that money comes to you, there should be a thing. Not that, oh, 10% is his. 90% is his. I mean, 100%, sorry. 100% is his. And yet he says, because I love you, keep the 90. I'll take 10 for the advancement of my kingdom here on earth. It's, it's a love It's a love language. You guys okay? Good. Some of you guys are starting to squirm in your seats, so I'll move to number three. No, I won't. Matthew six twenty one. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. How could we not invest in the kingdom if we love God? I mean, when you invest in something, don't, don't I mean, don't you want to see that thing flourish? I mean, when you buy a car, I mean, I don't know if many of you ladies are like this, but us guys, we buy cars like we're all in, right? I mean, every week we're out washing it and we put money into it. We were buying the seat covers and we make sure it smells good in there. I mean, we buy little little cleaning kits for it. I mean, we're invested. I mean, I'm paying for this. I'm getting the best insurance. I'm getting gap insurance. I'm making sure that that car is taken care of. That's where my heart is. I love that car. What about the kingdom? Do you love the kingdom of God like that? Do you love Jesus like that? He's like, man, I'm investing. I'm not giving my money to the church. I'm giving my money to Jesus because that's where my heart is. And guess what? It gets expressed through the local church. I love that. Third, talents. Talents. Does God get your best or does he get your leftovers? Honestly. Does God get your best or does he get your leftovers? We spend an enormous amount of energy uh, uh, performing. Listen. For our employers, right? For our colleagues, for our family members. We spend an enormous amount of energy. Listen, performing for our our wives, for for our husbands, for our children. What, What about God? And I'm not talking, this isn't about performance. This is, this is about our relationship with Him and us giving our, our, our talents, meaning our time, our energy, our giftings to the Lord. I mean, I know teachers who have gone to college, got teaching degrees, and teach children every day. Listen to this, because that's their passion and refuse to teach God's kids in the church. I do it all day long. Why would I want to do that at the church? Now listen, if you're a teacher, please do not take that offensively. I'm using that as an example because here, your gifting is to teach children. And yet God doesn't get the benefit of, of, of you teaching children. 
I mean, just to take about other things. Construction. Think about construction workers. People build these beautiful things, these cathedrals and, and buildings and all these things, and yet they won't lay their hands on the Lord's house. I don't got time for all that. Just think about networkers. I mean, people who have the ability to network. I mean, gosh, I mean, Mark is an amazing networker. He knows everybody on his block. I try to meet everyone on my block and they shut the doors. I, 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 honestly, I moved kind of 20 minutes outside of East L.A. in, in a kind of an area that I said I would never move into because, you know, kind of the smoogy people live out there. Um, but I moved there. And so when I, when, <laughs> it's another story. Anyways, <laughs> anyways um, networkers who have this ability to gather people and the ability to meet people and connect with people and never once use that for the glory of Jesus. Women who dance at jazzercise, and I know this can seem silly, but honestly, who will do all that craziness (laughs) and never dance for Jesus like that. Would never dance for Jesus like that. You see, the, 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 this this being that is us and the components that make up who we are. I wonder if if we we are presenting ourselves as a as a living offering to God, because we love Him. Matthew six thirty three says, "Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need." Put God first and everything else just seems to fall into place. I love the older version. We used to sing that song. Seek ye first. You know that song. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The problem is we're chasing all the things that we want to be added to us before we we chase God. Lastly, Revelation chapter 2. Listen to this. Verse 1 through 7. This is the apostle... John's revelation of Jesus. And this is spoken to the church. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. I know your works. He knows our what? He knows our works. Your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have preserved, I'm sorry, you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, listen to this. He's talking to the church. I've seen all these beautiful things that you're about. I've seen the work. I've seen the labor. I've seen the perseverance. I've seen all these things that you're about. Church, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Do the first works. And friends, my reminder to us as brothers and sisters, Impact Rock, your first work is to love God. Everything else is an overflow from them. You're not going to be the leader that you're supposed to be if you're not loving God. You're not going to be the husband, the wife. You're not going to, you're not going to be the evangelist, the pastor, the prophet. The, 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 you're not going to be those things if your love 
relationship with God is not intact. This is an invitation for us to be reminded to put the first things first. This is an invitation for us to come back to our first love, Jesus. Now listen, I told you that this wasn't going to be something you never heard before, something profound. But I do... for the sake of equipping, want to remind us we're called to teach disciples this very thing. But what I know from my own leadership in my own life is that I can't teach anyone anything that I'm not doing. I might know about it. I might, I, I might know Matthew 22 and the Great Commandments. I might know Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. But if I'm not living it out, how am I actually going to teach people to love God and to love each other? How am I going to go preach the gospel and then bring them into an invitation to be on mission with Jesus like we are? There needs to be an activation. And I really believe the priesthood of all believers needs to rise up again. See, we, we rely on the giftings and we rely on the on the full-time ministers but let me just tell every child of God in this room today you're all in full-time ministry you've just been promoted congratulations you're all in full-time ministry your, your, your paycheck might not say impact rock but I'm telling you no matter who signs your check the blood of Jesus overrides that signature We're all in full-time ministry and God has given us an invitation today to be activated, to be activated and to making disciples and teaching them to love God and teaching them to love each other. Because I'm telling you, when we are operating at that level, you never have to worry about who's cleaning up the church. You never have to worry about who's going to be at the door to greet people. Yes, it takes organization and plans, but I'm telling you, there's saints who are going to be saying, I want to do it. I love God. I love the church that he's called me to. I want to be a part of it. But what we're doing is we're trying to force people to do those things before they even know how to love Jesus. And I'm telling you, we got to get back to loving Jesus because then the simple things become the simple things again. I'm the pastor of our church. And I still clean toilets. And there's times when I'm cleaning those toilets and I'm disgruntled about it. I'm like, man, there are people in this church and I'm still cleaning these toilets. And you know what gets whispered in my ear? Do you love me? Of course I do. I just clean the toilet. My boys hate taking out the trash. And I remind them, when you take out that trash, you're showing me that you love me. It's not because I want you to do it. I just feel a little bit more respected when you do it without me having to hound you. That shows me that you love me. Just take out the trash, buddy. It's not a big deal. It's going to take you 45 seconds. Put the first things first. Your first love. Go back to your first love. Let's go back to the first works, loving God.